Hi, I'm Kaylee Moore. And I'm Emma Samasco. Welcome to Freelance Writing Coach, your new go-to podcast for building a freelance writing business. In each 20-minute episode, we'll do a deep dive into one area of business with the hope that our insights as successful freelance writers will educate and inspire you. This season of Freelance Writing Coach is sponsored by Select Few. Select Few provides transparent, flexible marketing teams made of pre-vetted freelancers. Establish action plans, discover missing pieces, and then build and manage a team of pros in everything from copywriting to Facebook ads to web design and outsourced sales. No white labeling, no markups, just flexible teams of expert marketers ready to get to work. If you run a business and need help with marketing, head to selectfew.co. And if you're a pro freelancer looking to work with new clients, head to the same address or send an email over to team at selectfew.co. Tell them Kaylee and Emma sent you. Potentially one of the most asked questions for people who are in the freelance writing space is, how in the world do I find writing jobs? And not just any writing jobs, but like well-paying writing jobs that make for a sustainable career. We're not talking about like one-time gigs off of Fiverr, Upwork, or just like random grabs at things you maybe find on Twitter. We're talking about like really quality new clients. So I want to start by asking you, is there one particular method or like medium that you have found to be really effective for you with getting new clients? Oh man, Kaylee, I feel like this is such a tough one because everybody's different. And when you talk to successful freelance writers, they all have like a different story about how they got started with their clients or how they get their clients. But the thing that comes up for people that are successful is that like referrals and connections tend to be the number one way. And so I know in my business over time, referrals are absolutely the number one way that I get new clients. And I'm sure that's true for you as well. But if you don't have a referral engine running, like how do you get started? Like how do you make it so that you have good referrals coming in? You're not just kind of like, I don't know, writing your your brother's website as a one-off, right? That's what I was thinking about when you were giving yes. examples of these like bad gigs. Like, oh, I'm writing a website for my brother-in-law. Like, I don't know, just something like that. So what I want to dig into in this episode is like, yeah, I think referrals are huge, but how do you kind of get that engine going and what are some other strategies? So what would you say for you? So I want to be really candid and say that in the early days of my freelance writing business, I was doing the like writing for my brother's website, like for a year. So I wrote about, I did website copy for like heating and cooling companies. And I did some work with like medical independent review company and like random non-specific. Yeah, totally random. Whatever came my way. I would find them sometimes on job boards or on social media or somebody would send it my way. And I was like, yeah, cool. I'll do it. So I want to be clear that like, I didn't just go into my business and it was all unicorns and rainbows and super easy and wonderful. It was a mess the first year. (laughs) It was was like survival mode, a hundred percent. And so if you're still in that mode or if you've been there, you're not alone in that for sure. So I want to acknowledge that. But I think for me, when things really started changing and the referral engine really started going, 
was when I specialized. So I, like I said, like we talked about before, I was operating under a brand name before, but then I transitioned to using my name, my face, and just doing freelance blog content. So freelance writing for a very specific group of clients. And in my case, it was e-commerce and software clients. And so what I found was that once it became stickier for people to remember who I was and what I did, those referrals started kind of coming more naturally because people were like, oh, that's Kaylee. She does blog content. She knows about e-commerce. It was easier to pin down than like, Kaylee's a writer, I think. And like, she might do websites. I don't know. You should talk to her. Like there was no filtering mechanism because nobody really understood what I did. So I think for me, the first piece of the puzzle was picking a niche and like picking a specialization to really double down on so that when I would get into conversations or when I would be public facing, like on Twitter or, you know, if I was teaching anything, I could say very specifically like who I am and what I do. So that for me was the first puzzle piece. What about you? Well, I was going to say, like, don't you think that you had to have the experience of writing for healing and cooling companies and being like scrappy AF in order to even get to a place where you felt like, I know what I want to niche in, like this makes sense. Because I feel like that for me, like I had some similar experiences where like I was just scrappy. I would write for anybody who had anything to write. Like I would comb job boards. I would like look on Craigslist. I would talk to the brother-in-law if he needed a new website, right? Like I, I started that way too. And it wasn't until like, for me, it was a little bit different because I worked in a house at a tech company and I had a really big community in Boston. That's where I grew up and where I was living at the time of people that were basically doing content marketing. And so I had these in-person connections, which as soon as I went freelance, I was really able to leverage. And I mean, you know me in person. Like I have the gift of gab, I think. (laughs) (laughs) You're so charming. Yeah, I'm so charming. Um, But I don't have issues like talking with people at a networking event. Like I I thrive in those scenarios. So like I had this, this like big group of people and once, and they, and because Boston had this real tech market and now I live of course in the San Francisco Bay area, which is like that times 11. Mm -hmm. I was like part of this community. And so I didn't have to be as deliberate and being like, I write for tech. It was like, if you live here and you write, you write for tech. But I do think like, I still have that same kind of scrappy thing. And I think that's actually worth looking into a little bit because what I'm always telling new freelance writers when they're like, I want to get started. I want to transition out of whatever career I'm in. I want to do freelance writing. I'm like, your first assignment is to find a client. I'm like, I don't care who they are. I don't care like, you know, I don't care if it's your brother's website, but I do think that you need those experiences in order to say like, okay, I'm seeing a trend here. There's lots of tech companies that <laughs> need blog articles and they seem to be paying me a rate and that makes sense. And I, I kind of know what they look like. So I'm curious for you, like after all that, that kind of scrappy stuff that you were doing, like, do you think you needed that scrappy stuff in order to say like, okay, now I know what I, what I want to do. And I, I'm kind of comfortable talking about what I do. Yeah. I think the kind of lackluster experiences were a good teaching mechanism in that they helped me figure out what I absolutely didn't want to do, but they also helped me figure out what I do like doing. So that's where I usually start the conversations when I coach freelance writers is like, what do you like doing? What do you already have an existing foundation of knowledge that you can build upon? Do those people have money to pay you? 
is there a specific type of work that you enjoy doing kind of within that niche, like whether it's website copy or email writing or, you know, long form blog content? And then also, what are the things you absolutely don't want to do? So like, who are the clients you don't want to work with? What's the type of writing work you absolutely hate doing? So I think knowing both sides of that is a really helpful way to kind of figure out your niche. If you're like, I have no idea. It's to ask yourself those kinds of questions and be really honest and realistic in your responses rather than like, I think I want to do this or it would be nice to do this because there's money in that world, but I actually hate these people. Um, (laughs) I think you have to be honest with yourself about a lot of things. And I love that you have people just start by getting a client because that's like exactly what I did. It's like getting your hands dirty, getting in there and figuring out like, okay, yeah, writing blogs sounds cool on paper, but I get into it and like, this is my worst nightmare. I hate this. It's like writing college research papers day after day until I die. And I don't want to do this, um, which is not how I feel, obviously, because that's what I do. But yeah, I think it's great to get that insight from firsthand experience for sure. Yeah. I think that like that, I mean, I just have sort of a dive in and see approach. And the reason that I think I start there is because I see so many freelance writers get really hung up on the niche or niche, whatever. I never know, but I see them get hung up on it before they even have a client. And that like really bothers me because I'm like, how do you even know? I mean, sometimes they're like, I was a, you know, I studied biology, so I'm going to write for medical stuff. And I'm like, well, do you like, do you really understand that industry? Do you really know what's out there? Do you really know that you're going to like it just because you have a degree in biology? Or I sometimes see people being like, I want to write for the cannabis niche. And I have had some cannabis clients, but like there are software companies that work for dispensaries. Like that world touches so much more than just like, I'm going to write for a dispensary or like, I'm going to write copy for ease about, which is like the famous cannabis delivery service here in the Bay Area. So that's why I'm like, get a few clients under your belt before you choose because I think that people get so caught up in like, well, who am I going to be as a copywriter (laughs) or a freelance writer when it's like, well, you can't really answer that question until you've kind of seen what's out there and and tried it on. Like, how do you know you're going to like writing emails? Like, have you done a whole email sequence? Have you done that? Because you might like, just like you said, like some people are like blogging sounds great. And then they're like, oh, it's actually like writing a research paper. I'd rather do like research-based web copy or something else, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And I always encourage people to talk to people who are doing that thing already. Like talk to somebody who's deep in it, ask them some questions if they're, you know, willing to be giving with their time and expertise and, you know, candidly answer your questions, but like talk to them and ask them the questions that are scary for you. Like the, the concerns you have maybe about leaning into a specific area or, you know, just like, what's the reality of your day-to-day like? Like, what are the hard things? What are the things that are really cool? And and maybe learn through those conversations before or at the same time as you're getting the firsthand experience. I think that that's a really good two-pronged approach. But getting back to kind of to the referral conversation and and getting that machine going, I think that, so this is a question I have for you. Do you think that it's possible to get consistent referrals without being like a specialist in a very specific type of thing? I don't know. It's a good question. I don't know. I don't know either. I think it's difficult. 
I think it's difficult too, because I think that when I started getting referrals, it was pretty much all for blog content until I sort of started saying, oh, actually I offer case studies and being really deliberate about that. But people didn't come to me for that until I kind of put a stake in the ground and said like, no, I do case studies over here, case studies. But the conversation is making me think about like back to like how we find new freelance writing clients. When you were talking about talking to people that do the thing you do, that's like another avenue that is really good for trying things on. So going to someone and saying like, hey, I want to learn more about what you do. Or even like, I don't know, I've had coaching clients who I've then like referred on to projects. So my point here is that if you take a leap and reach out to people in the space, it often comes back. Like if you tell an email copywriter like, hey, I'm interested in doing emails. Can we talk about it? And you spend 15 minutes on the phone for them, they might have like a lead that comes in the next day that's perfect for you or, you know, that that you can take off their plate. And I, I mean, it's a fine line because I don't think you should just reach out to seasoned writers and be like, Hey, can I pick your brain? Do you have any clients who can <laughs> right. my way? Because I've, I've, I've gotten some emails before that are like, hey, if you have any overflow work over here. And I'm like, I don't know you. Right. I like that's, 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 but if you ask me like, hey, I'd love to book like a coaching session with you or just like, can you answer this one question for me or like whatever it is. And then we sort of have a connection then I may be willing to hire them either as a subcontractor for the work I do or refer stuff to them. Yeah, so that is, that's like part of the, like the whole thing about referrals is knowing people. So like, yeah. how do you get to know more people? And you know a lot of people. So can you talk about that? Like, <laughs> how do you get to know more people? So before we get into that, I want to touch briefly on the subcontracting thing. So When I first started, the other thing I did was I was an apprentice to an established writer. So I was basically a subcontractor, but she was also teaching me along the way. So she was kind of doing some handholding for me as I was working on her client work with her, which was a great learning experience. And it's something I really encourage writers to do today is, again, like if you find somebody who is doing the thing you want to do and you have that initial conversation, you guys hit it off, you work well together don't be afraid to throw that out there of like, hey, if you ever have overflow projects or, you know, you need some sort of subcontractor or you need help with anything, I would love to work with you in that capacity. And that for me has been a huge door opener. And again, I think it's important to think about how you go about those conversations. Because again, like nobody likes the stranger who goes in as like, hey, we don't know each other, but you should hire me. It just feels (laughs) bad. It's there's nothing good about that. But if there's some rapport there and there's an existing relationship, you've talked with this person and there is maybe a relevant for working together, that's a huge way to get a foot in the door and then to kind of use it as a springboard moving forward as you go out on your own some more and move out of the subcontracting position. So something to think about. But as far as like getting to know a lot of people, for me, I would be crazy not to talk about Twitter. Twitter has been a huge platform for me as far as just following people within the industries that I want to work in and participating in those conversations. There's always clicks, even online. So you have to find them and then kind of immerse yourself in those little niche communities and be a participant there. I think that that's a big secret. And then number two, like be nice, be nice to people. Like that for me, just small gestures or making introductions between people, even if there's zero benefit to me has always been a little bit like karmic, I guess, where it comes back around Mm -hmm. eventually. And again, like even with you and I, 
that's how our relationship started. So I think that that's another thing to think about as well. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, it, it, it is like a tricky thing when you're starting out to figure out like, who should I connect with? And what do I want to know about it? Like finding those communities. I think what you said about participation is huge. So I wanted to get even back to like our original question of, well, how do we find new clients? So I had said like lots come from referrals, but oftentimes like I'm going out and either telling people that I know that I've referred work to me before, like, hey, I actually have some openings this month. Like, mm-hmm. if you hear of anything, let me know. Or like, I'm part of some Slack communities that are like content marketing or SEO focused. And sometimes I'll see people in there being like, hey, I need a writer that specializes in XYZ. And I'm like, oh, that's me. Like, I'm the perfect person for that. So even though I'm running a business where I where it's like pretty well established, I'm still going out there and hustling for work to an extent, maybe not to the same extent that I that I used to have to, because it used to be that I lived in that Slack channel. And every time- Yeah, you're strategic now. Yeah, like anytime, like, and that's, again, what I would recommend to new people is like find those communities, whether it's like on Twitter, on LinkedIn, in Slack communities, there's tons of Facebook groups and like anytime you see something come up, like jump on it and you have to be really proactive. And I think you also have to be like, I don't know. I heard a strategy once from someone at a networking event in Boston. He, I think he got laid off. And I think now he maybe works for HubSpot or one of these big marketing companies, but he was freelancing And he recognized that tech companies that recently got funded were always hiring writers. So Mm -hmm. like, I think there was this particular funding round, like maybe a series B, probably a series B. And so what he would do is he would look at like the database on Crunchbase or whatever. He'd comb the headlines on TechCrunch and he made a spreadsheet of all of these companies that had recently gotten their series B. And then he would email them and he would say like, hey, I know you got your series B. Probably you need some marketing and writing help. And I think he had like a particular thing that he was offering, like I'll audit your website or whatever. But this goes back to the like, you got to be scrappy. And I think there's also like, no matter what we say, like that guy that I'm talking about, I'm not sure that he went out to talk with other freelance writers about what he should do. He was like, I need work. I know I can write about tech. Like, how do I get in touch with these tech companies? And he found a way of doing it. And like, I always liked that story because I was like, oh, I've never thought of that. And I wrote for the same kind of companies that he did. Right. Yeah. So like you can get in the door in many different kinds of ways. I think another thing to keep in mind too, is that with the modern world, like everybody has an opportunity to have a personal platform. So I'm a huge fan of the teach what you know uh, approach. So if you have a newsletter or a blog and you're not writing about the things that you know and kind of positioning yourself as an authority within the space that you're trying to lean into, it's kind of a no-brainer to like put that stuff out there because there's just so much captive attention right now with the internet. And so I think if you can teach about your area of of expertise, because right, an expert is just somebody who knows 10% more than the other person. If you can kind of use your hands-on experiences and notice trends within a specific area and then talk about those, that's a really good way to start positioning yourself as a go-to person for whatever type of work you're you're leaning into. Yeah. And I think like as someone that maybe ducks in and out of social media a little bit more than you, Kaylee. One thing that I noticed, especially on LinkedIn, is that like 
I can go for like a couple months and not post anything. But if I start posting, like I become visible to people and it's like almost Mm -hmm. less about what I'm posting about. Although like I'm trying to share lessons and more about just like they see my name come up. And so I notice, and this is like not, there's not like hard data I can present on this, but I notice that more people get in touch with me when I'm posting on LinkedIn. And it's interesting because like, it's something I can turn on and off in the sec, in the sense that I'm like, oh, I don't have as much work coming in. Like I should use this extra time I have to post on LinkedIn. I think it just like reminds people that you exist, which is like silly, but like, I think it's important that people know you're out there, that you're thinking about these things, that you're like, so having some kind of elevated presence does help. I mean, I'm not sure it's like the first thing that you should do. Cause my first thing you should do is like get a client. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes the easiest way to do that is to just send out, like you said, like a you have a network of people that you know, send out an email that's like, hey, I'm taking on new clients for this specific type of work. If you or someone you know needs help with that, send them my way. Like, yeah. Because- that for me is all, I still use that to this day when things get slow. That's the email I send to the people either that I've worked with in the past or that I know from a past job, whatever. That's like the easiest way to jumpstart things. Yeah. Even if it's like, again, sending it to your brother-in-law, right? Like that's right. the example of like, hey, does anyone know? Does anyone need anything having to do with writing? Like, please let me know. Um, yeah. Because I think it's like you start out really scrappy. You can find and then you refine as you go to say like, I like doing this. I know this is working for me. And that I think is when you can start to really think about like, let me teach what I know. Let me establish a platform. Let me like, I mean, some people do reverse engineer it too. And they're like, I'm going to start a podcast about whatever industry that I want to write for, because I know a lot about it. And then I'm, I'm, that's going to be like my lead generation channel. That's one thing that we haven't discussed, but people do use a lot, especially people that sell digital products, which is like a lot of people that sell digital products do some freelance too. But often they'll like, you know, have a YouTube channel or a podcast and then people get to know them that way. And then they come into the business and they want to hire them. And like, so that's, that's more sort of like marketing than just kind of like, how do I get new clients point blank? I mean, getting new clients is a tough problem for new freelancers and it's hard to give blanket advice because I think everybody's situation is somewhat different. But my advice is definitely like the sink or swim, like find a client, even if you don't know what you're doing, like be confident that you're going to figure it out. Like start, start somewhat small, I think. Yeah. And I, I think to kind of wrap things up with this, if somebody's listening to this and they're like, holy shit, I feel so overwhelmed. They just threw so many ideas (laughs) at me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for that. Hopefully you're taking notes. Um, But yeah, start with whatever makes the most sense to you and whatever you feel the most comfortable with. Don't be afraid to leverage your sense of curiosity. So again, like reach out to people, ask questions. Don't be afraid to make the ask. Like we said, like sending that simple email that's like, hey, I'm taking on new clients right now. If you or someone you know needs help, send them my way. That sometimes can be very intimidating and makes people feel bad because they're making an ask. Sometimes like it's a one-sided ask, it feels like. yeah. But I think that 99% of the time, taking those steps and doing those things pays off in a big way. And so it's really just kind of getting over the hurdles. And it's it's almost a, a question of like, how badly do you want it? I think at the end of the day. Yeah. Which seems maybe a little intense, but I think it's true. I think it ultimately comes down to that. Like how much are you willing to put yourself out there? 
Yeah, because it is an exercise of putting yourself out there and being confident in the value you provide. So if you know that you're a good writer and that you could provide value to a business, then you can do this. Um, If you're not sure about that, then you have some maybe more personal work to do before embarking on the, the finding clients adventure. Yeah. And I think the final note here is that in some of the conversations I've had with freelance writers, they're very frustrated when the success or regular recurring work doesn't happen quickly. Like, mm-hmm. and when I say quickly, I mean like one to two months. They'll come back and be like, I'm not fully booked. What's the deal? Like, I hired you for coaching. My business isn't thriving. What's the deal? It's a slow burn. Yeah. Like, it takes years. Yeah. So I think if you can survive that initial dip and keep plugging away and keep working at it and staying really scrappy until it gets to the point where things are more sustainable, that's part of it. That's a regular pay your dues part of it. Would you agree? Yeah, I would agree. And, you know, I want to add in like another final note for me, because I think, I don't know if you know this about me, Kaylee, but like I, before I worked in house, I had like one freelance writing job. This is way back when at the beginning of my career, but I had one freelance writing job it went really poorly, not because what I produced was bad, but like I wasn't paid like barely anything for the work. It was just a crappy experience. And I was like, I, I, being a freelance writer sucks. I never would want to do that. That's what I thought at the time. And then I worked in house at two different companies and I saw how valuable writing was. And I really like learned a lot. Like that was like my grad school. And so I often recommend to people and sometimes they don't want to hear it from me, but I'm like, you might want to consider getting a job in-house because you might learn a lot about, if you work for an agency, you learn so much about client services. If you work in-house at a tech company, you learn like so much about marketing. So I know like in the, we're like doing a podcast on freelance writing, but sometimes that's also like a really viable path for going to school. I love that. I think that's so smart. And it allows you to see the other side of the equation too. So you can, when you do shift over to the freelance writing, you know how to better serve those people who are hiring you as well. Yeah. And I mean, the way that you and I met was I worked in-house and I hired you and I was like, oh, I kind of would rather be her than me. (laughs) So how do I make that happen? Um, but I learned so much about like what a client wants because I was the client. And so like when you talk about like, oh, it might be a slow burn. I also would tell people like, don't be afraid to spend a couple of years in house, getting to know an industry, seeing if you even like sort of professional writing at all. And I mean, that's advice for probably the real beginners or people that have been doing it a while, but continually struggle. Like there's like, you will get an education if you work in-house somewhere and you don't have to do it forever. It doesn't mean you're like freelance writing career is over forever. I know plenty of people that do freelance writing on the side while they work in-house, but that's an option worth thinking about too. Thanks for listening to this episode of Freelance Writing Coach. If you want more tips, tricks, and resources for building your business, visit freelancewritingcoachpodcast.com podcastedition.com provided editing and Ali Rico provided writing assistance. 